to change the lives of people and to bring salvation to us. Bless Kelsey with your spirit and give her insight and passion for your message today. Thank you for her preparation she has done. And may our hearts be receptive to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for having me here this morning. Our text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. We'll be reading verses 32 through 42. Let us listen to the word of the Lord. It says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. When I was in high school, my youth group took a trip out west for a youth retreat at Noah's Ark in Buena Vista, Colorado. One of the activities that we did was to go on a guided hike up into the mountains towards the end of our time there. Our guides were very knowledgeable and were able to safely take us to our destination and back, while also teaching us a bit about the terrain along the way. I remember someone in our group asking the guides how it was that they came to know the mountains so well when they themselves were not originally from Colorado. And so they told us about the training that they were required to go through in order to become a certified guide. Their first year working at Noah's Ark, they were a sort of apprentice who would tag along on the hikes with a more seasoned guide so that they could learn about the terrain. When they came then to their second year and were ready to be certified themselves, they were blindfolded, taken up into the woods, and left there with just a compass as their only navigational device. The goal was to get themselves safely back to the trailhead before dark. Now, being blindfolded and left in the woods may sound a bit like a hazing exercise for these new recruits at the camp, but it truly was about the safety of those who would be going on these guided tours. You see, the leadership at Noah's Ark prioritized having guides who were intimately familiar with the woods that we would be walking through as visitors. By the time they got to this testing, the guides had each been through those same woods dozens and dozens of times. To become a certified guide was to show that they were, had walked the path enough times 
that they would then be able to lead someone else out of those woods. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, we are given this picture of an incarnate Jesus who is intimately familiar with the pathways that we walk. Mark arguably gives the most human depiction of Jesus out of the narratives of the four Gospels. Throughout his narrative, Mark uses words such as indignant, amazed, and distressed to describe the emotions that Jesus felt. When he saw a crowd of hungry people, we're told that Jesus had compassion. When he saw money changers in the temple, we are told that he flipped tables. At one point, when the Pharisees asked Jesus yet another testing question, we're told that Jesus sighed deeply before answering them. I imagine it's in the same way some of you parents might sigh when your child has asked you their millionth question for the day. You see Jesus holding all of his divinity, the second person of the Trinity, of the same essence of the Father and the Holy Spirit, was also fully human. And he experienced every piece of what it means to live in the human condition. This importance of understanding our humanity is what Henry Nouwen was talking about when he wrote his book, The Wounded Healer. In his book, he says, it is an illusion to think that a person can be led out of the desert by someone who has never been there themselves. As we see throughout the Gospel of Mark, our Savior is not some apprentice who is still learning the rough terrain that we walk, but he's an experienced and seasoned guide who understands what it means to feel joy, amazement, and delight, but also grief and sorrow and distress. Here in the Garden of Gethsemane, we find Jesus in a raw and vulnerable moment of deep anguish before the Lord our God. In the narratives leading up to this text, Jesus has celebrated the Passover with his disciples, and he's instituted the Lord's Supper. He has now withdrawn to the Mount of Olives, predicted Peter's denial, and is now in Gethsemane. As Jesus retreats to pray to his Father, we further see the human nature of our Savior shining through. Jesus did not stand there quietly with a simple prayer in his head, but he falls to the ground in deep anguish with a prayer that echoes the Psalms of Lament we read in the Old Testament. The biblical scholar Donald Sr. notes of Jewish laments that they are not fully controlled or strained with politeness. Rather, he says, in a rush of emotion, complaint, and even recrimination, the believers pour out their hearts to God. This is what we find Jesus doing as he cries out in lament and anguish, kneeling in the garden, pouring out his heart to the Father. Like the psalmist who cried, how long, O Lord, and my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here Jesus sees the pain and the heartache that comes ahead of him, and he prays, Abba, Father, take this cup from me. Jesus, the suffering Son of Man, intimately knows what it feels like to be human and to cry out to God. 
He deeply understands the pain and the heartache of the human condition as he himself walked this pathway on earth. Jesus understands Megan, an overwhelmed student stretched thin by her busy schedule. He sees her exhaustion as she stays up late at night trying to make one last run through those flashcards, trying to write one more page to get that paper turned in on time. As her anxieties overwhelm her sleepless nights, Jesus hears her cry that says, Abba, Father, give me rest. Jesus weeps with Patrick, who watched his mother battle cancer, who had to bury a parent far sooner than he'd planned and misses her far more than he can say. With each passing holiday reminding Patrick of who is missing at his table, he sits deep in his grief, looking for a light. And Jesus sits next to him, understanding his longing for a world where death doesn't reign. Jesus, who himself wept at the grave of a beloved friend, walks with Patrick in this deep sorrow. Our Savior receives the cries of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As Linda receives a diagnosis she had prayed would never come. As she sits in the doctor's office, overwhelmed with the hard road ahead of her, Jesus knows how it feels to sit alone and be overcome with the hardship of the path that is ahead. As Linda wonders why her prayers remain unanswered, She's accompanied by Christ, who himself had to walk out of the garden, still holding a cup he had asked to be taken away. Jesus, our divine and humble Lord, in all his humanity, knows every cry, shouting, How long, O Lord, will you forget us forever? As we collectively grieve the large laments of wars raging around the world. As our hearts break when we read stories of mothers watching their children die. Of families being ripped apart. Of innocent lives being lost to horrifying violence. How long, oh Lord, how long? Jesus knows, too, the little laments of our everyday lives, of the stress that we feel in our jobs, of the sadness when we have to let go of a dream, of the friends we miss who live far away, of the burden it can feel to even do those simple daily tasks of putting food on the table or folding that basket of laundry. Our sadness and laments are no stranger to Jesus who also walked a road of hardship. The deep cry of our heart is a familiar tune to Christ, who didn't just witness our suffering, but he also participated in it. C.S. Lewis understands Christ's humanity and his empathy for us in this way. He says, God could, had he pleased, have been incarnate in a man of iron nerves, the stoic sort who lets no sigh escape him. Of his great humility, he chose to be incarnate in a man of delicate sensibilities, who wept at the grave of Lazarus and sweated blood in Gethsemane. 
Friends, this world is full of sorrow and lament. I don't think you need me standing up here this morning to remind you of that fact. But what I do want to remind you of is that we don't walk this journey alone. Our cries do not go unheard. Our grief does not go unseen. Christ came in the flesh as a man of delicate sensibilities, as Lewis puts it, so he could walk alongside his people in our suffering, so he could know and understand what it means to be human, and so we could know what it means to have a Savior who understands us. Jesus took on humanity to suffer on our behalf so death would not have the final say. He knelt in this garden, flinging his laments at God, and then he rose and he walked to the cross to bear an unimaginable weight for us. He took that cup of judgment so that one day every tear would be wiped from our eyes. He carried his anguish all the way to the cross and defeated sin and death as he rose in victory so we could have eternal life. So our mourning would be turned to dancing and we would be clothed in joy. In this season of Lent, we prepare ourselves for Holy Week, when we will see Christ on the cross and then risen once again. This is a season that the Orthodox Church calls a season of bright sadness. It is called that because it is both a time of celebration and a time of mourning. Bright celebration as we know what is coming on Easter Sunday. We know of the victory over sin and death and of the great joyousness of our risen Savior. But it still also remains a season of sadness and mourning as we recognize the grief and lament that continue to shadow our life here on earth. Grief and lament that we walk in hand in hand with our Savior. Grief and lament that Jesus himself took before his Father. You see, Jesus didn't just come in a flash to die and then rise again. But he came to live among us. He came to walk these paths of sorrow and suffering so we would have a guide who knows how to lead us through our lament. In his time here on earth, Jesus taught us what it looks like to bring our sorrow and our suffering before the throne of God. As Donald Sr. noted, our laments do not need to be controlled or strained with politeness, but we are invited to fall on our knees as Jesus did in the garden. As we await that day when our tears will be no more, we are invited to scream and cry and shout to God, knowing that Jesus lifts our laments right alongside us. We are invited with the psalmist to cry out in our suffering and to know in deep assurance that God holds every word that we pray to him. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week with a Christian author, Addison Bevere, who has written a book about prayer. And so he was talking in this podcast about the way that Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. Bevere noted three things about this prayer. That it was specific, it was submissive, and it was steadfast. It was specific as Jesus named exactly what he was asking the Lord to do. 
He said, take this cup from me. Let this hour pass. In his time of grief and lament and deep sorrow, Jesus wasn't afraid to be bold in bearing his heart and his desires to the Father. But at the same time, he was also submissive. As he said, not my will, but yours be done. Even in the specificity of his prayer, Jesus trusts in the goodness of God's plan, and he submits to his will. And lastly, Jesus is steadfast. He goes back three times to pray this prayer. He doesn't give up as he knows and trusts that God hears him each time he pours out his heart to the Lord. We are called to follow in Christ's example and to bring our burdens before the throne of God in a way that is specific and submissive and steadfast. We are called to know our Savior who walked this path before us and who joins us in this journey of pain and lament. I want to share a story with you this morning from my friend Kelly. Kelly served on a ministry team with me a few years ago when I was working in Grand Teton National Park. She wrote this following reflection to be published in her school's art and theology journal. The theme of the journal that spring was Gethsemane. So this is what Kelly wrote. She said, while summiting the Middle Teton in Wyoming, my sister slipped and fell nearly 50 feet down the icy rocks of the unforgiving mountain. Frozen in horror, I watched her head bash against precipice after precipice, striking stone with nauseating blows on every impact. My hands pulsed uncontrollably as I descended the cliffside to get to her, and a sickening crimson liquid began to seep out of her cold skin. Ominous clouds enveloped us as a slow trickle of blood traced the edge of her brow. It began to hail. There in the saddle of the mountain, with her fragile body cradled in my arms, I desperately prayed to my father, Lord, be my strength. The air vibrated around me in suffocating frequency. My tears fell before God with an unfamiliar weight, stinging the impenetrable rocks beside her. Creeping into the anguish of this moment, a transcendent calm settled in my veins. The tender whispers of the Holy Spirit filled my sister and me with a steady fortitude as she endured each step of the excruciating descent. His unwavering presence guided us down the remaining seven miles of boulders and switchbacks, sustaining her frail body all the way to the ER. This day was horrifying, soaked in tears and abounding in beauty. Partway down our climb, we reached a gentle meadow filled with the soothing lullabies of a solitary stream. In this angelic garden, surrounded on every side by towering peaks, I experienced new dimensions of God. To remember this garden reminds me of my desperate prayers that day, as well as those of my Savior in Gethsemane, as he prepared for the horror he was about to face. 
With anxiety dripping from our skin, he and I both found an Empyrean comfort through prayers that prepared us for the trials to come. Horrifying trials, soaked in tears and abounding in beauty. As my friend Kelly walked the long journey down the mountain with God at her side, so we also walk every mountain and valley, through every garden and desert, with our Savior who has gone before us and behind us, who stands beneath us and beside us. For many of us, this season of bright sadness may be soaked in tears, but it is also abounding in beauty as we are met at every turn by Jesus who walked this road before us and who comes to guide us home. We are welcomed into the arms of God as we fall to the ground in our grief and our sorrow. In this Lenten season, if you find yourself kneeling in your garden in pain and lament, Know that our God hears every cry of your heart. As we corporately lament the pain of all God's children in all of creation, we are assured in knowing that Jesus kneels next to us and his tears fall with ours. And we can also rest in the assurance that this season of bright sadness ends with a glorious victory on Easter morning as Christ, the suffering Son of Man, reigns in all his glory, so that we can have life and have it abundantly. Before I close us in prayer, I want to leave a few moments of silence for each one of us to bring our own lament before the throne. It is a beautiful thing to be reminded this morning of Christ's glorious victory over sin and death. But I also want to acknowledge in this space the lament that many of us in this room still carry through this Lenten season and that many of us will continue to carry even after Resurrection Sunday. So whatever burden is bearing on your heart this morning, perhaps it's something big or something small, Perhaps you lament on behalf of yourself or on behalf of others or the world. You're invited to boldly bring these laments into the arms of God. Be specific, be submissive, and be steadfast. No need to strain your prayers with politeness. No need to wrap up your grief in a neat little package. But let us bring our messy burdens to lament with our God. Let us pray.
Father, we thank you for hearing and for holding our laments and our grief and our pain. We thank you for sending a Savior who walked among us to lead us and to guide us, to befriend us and to know the deep desires of our hearts. We thank you, too, for the gift it is of knowing that this bright, sad season ends joyously in communion with you as we will celebrate your resurrection in the coming week. As we go into the rest of this day and into this week, I pray that we will each be reminded of your unwavering presence, be reminded of the ways that you sit with us and walk with us in both our joy and our sadness. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.